have uh, been talking uh, about warnings, what not to do uh, with your faith. And today I've got a question for you as we start. Who enjoys waiting? Hands up. Anybody like waiting? Wow, I see a hand. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, I see one hand up in the building of people that like waiting. Last night I went to the footy and uh, uh, there was a lot of waiting there um, in uh, waiting for our team to actually do what was right. And then they did. And then the other team did one more than we did. So anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Um, But traffic... Yesterday, I had actually debated about going to the footy or not because the train line's down, and they say, don't cross the bridge right now. You people in the west, you need to stay where you are because, uh, yeah, we don't want you in the east, and now we're making that really clear. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, our, our, our premier keeps telling us, work from home, stay in the west for a while because they're doing roadworks and stuff. Anyway, the traffic uh, was a barrier, and I knew I was going to be doing a lot of waiting, and I don't wait well in traffic, and uh, I don't have a church sticker on my car or anything because of that. And, uh, but, but yeah, who likes waiting on hold when, when you're calling a service center or something? Yeah? You're number 12 in the queue, and your estimated wait time is three days, and you know, right, right? All right, so, so I got to ask you, it's confession time here, all right? Who did this this week? No, no, back, back, there we go, there we go. You see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who sat online waiting for Taylor Swift tickets? Come on, stick your hands up. Really? Wow, 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 wow. Okay. Yeah, just keep them up, keep them up. Keep your hands up if you, if you did that. I, I might ask you to stand. I might ask you to come forward and repent. But anyway, so, so who, who got tickets? Did anybody get tickets? Nobody got tickets. Who, who waited an hour online, sitting there clicking, refresh, 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 on multiple devices? Who, who waited two hours? Three? Who waited five hours? Five? five really? Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. And, and, and nobody got tickets. And I just want to ask you, are you Okay. And this week and this week only, okay, I'm going to open up some extra counseling slots in my schedule. And this week only, I'm going to give you that counseling for half the price of a Taylor Swift ticket. All right, to help you cope with your your, your waiting and then losing out uh, and all of that. But hey, when we're waiting, what if you're waiting for real stuff in life to change? Maybe it's that relationship you're hoping will develop, or maybe it's that relationship that did develop and now it's gone pear-shaped. Or maybe it's the kids that are, are, are wandering and you're just desperately hoping they'll come back and you're waiting for that to come good. Waiting for that job or that career move to actually work out. Waiting can be tough. So the next question then is, how do we respond when life is hard? How do we respond when life is hard? We talked already today uh, about some hard things that have happened in people's lives. And regularly, things happen in our lives that are hard. Today, we're wrapping up this, this series called Warnings, What Not to Do with Your Faith. And uh, we, I, I like to call this my to-don't list. 
And we've covered off, uh, don't uh, operate with human wisdom. Don't let pride ruin your life. Uh, don't play God. Instead, trust God. And then last week we talked about not letting your stuff tell the wrong story, write the wrong story. If you missed any of that, go to our website, go to the app, go to our YouTube channel, and uh, subscribe to those things. Then you'll get notifications all the time, and it'll annoy you, but then you won't miss out, okay? So uh, make sure you sign up uh, for those things. But last week, we, we saw rich people who were abusing and neglecting the poor. Rich people in the church who were abusing and neglecting the poor in the church, and James was calling them out for that. But in the last verse, in verse 6 that we covered last week, he addressed those that were being abused. And he said this, who do not resist you. Those words, who do not resist you. He's talking to the rich people, but he's mentioning the people that are being abused. He says, they didn't fight. They didn't argue with you. They didn't even try to stop you. you know, they were actually behaving a little bit like Jesus it says this about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. So it's into that context where James is, has been talking to the abusers that now he's going to shift his focus and talk to those who are actually doing it tough who are going through difficult times uh, in their life there in the church. And he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. To those that are being abused, he says, be patient. That word uh, patient is used five times in our text today. That word or a variation of it, he uses two words, patience and endurance. And the word patient comes from the Greek word Macrothumeo, it's a compound word, second part, thumos, which means long-tempered or actually long-angered, okay? So patient means long-tempered and actually not getting angry, all right? Patient in our vocabulary would mean this, to stay put, to stand fast when you'd like to run away. Anybody ever feel like running away? You say, oh man, life's too hard. This is too hard, this job's too hard, this relationship's too hard, and you just want to run away. Anybody ever run away from home when you were 32 maybe or something? <laughs> Any parents with a 32-year-old that wish they would run away? Right? <laughs> the word patience has to do uh, with long-suffering, and it refers to patience with people, Okay. The other word that he's using in this same passage, and he uses them back and forth interchangeably a bit, and the other word is endurance, and that means being patient in conditions or situations. So we're talking about being patient with people and being patient with our circumstances today. That's what James is addressing. Now, as he's wrapping up his letter, I love the way, the way he writes. He, he's wrapping it up here in uh, chapter 5, but he goes back to chapter 1 in the beginning uh, uh, of what he started teaching us. In chapter 1, verse 2, it says, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So in chapter 1, as he's launching into his letter to the, the, the uh, dispersion, the 12 tribes, Jewish converts in, this, in, in, the, in the churches, he's saying, trouble's going to come. 
Life's going to get hard. But guess what? That's actually a chance for you to grow. He's normalizing suffering as part of the faith journey. It has a purpose to mold us, to make us, to grow us. And I don't know about you, but I don't like that. Do you like that? Do you like the suffering? Persecution, all that kind of stuff. You know, what? our response to that is generally to resist it, to run away from it, and try to remove it from our life and the lives of anybody else that we love and care about, right? That's how we want to treat suffering. You know, when we face trials, when we face suffering, when we face persecution even, we risk losing patience with our circumstances. We risk losing patience with people. And if we're honest, we risk losing patience even with God himself. Because we don't like the pain of suffering. So how can you and I respond to suffering in this life? Now, it's important. As we're talking about suffering in life right now, I want you to understand what James is talking about. Mainly, he's referring to being persecuted in the church, being persecuted for your faith, suffering for your faith, suffering because you are a follower of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're suffering because of that, James is saying that's where uh, the the area of focus here. However, it applies to all kinds of suffering because our response is the same. We deal with any kind of suffering, whether it's being persecuted for being a Christian or whether it's just doing life hard that all includes suffering, our response should be the same. So here it is. If I had the drummer, we'd do another drum roll, okay? Here's what James says. says, This is how you're going to respond to suffering in this life. Be patient. Okay. All done. (laughs) Oh, if it was that easy. Don't you wish it was that easy? Say, okay, James, got it. I'll do that. Three times. He reminds us in in this passage today of the coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus. And he's saying, be patient till that happens, while you're waiting for that. Uh, Titus, uh, one of uh, Paul's disciples uh, that he actually wrote a letter to that we have, it's called the book of Titus. He calls this the blessed hope of the believer, Christ's return. You know, we, we actually sang songs about that this morning and talking about his return. And we get excited about that. And we, we clap when we hear, uh, ver- we sing verses about resurrection and the grave and all that. And we look to that eternal state. See, our faith journey is all about eternity. It's not about now. It's not about now because now is temporary. Now is momentary. And while it seems like it's long and it seems like it's hard, it's just a blip on the radar of eternity. So friends, we should not, cannot expect to have everything easy and comfortable in this present life. That's faulty thinking, and that's actually dangerous thinking. And by the way, if you actually came from a church background that taught you that it should be that, friends, I'm sorry for that teaching that you received, because it's not true. When you signed up to follow Jesus Nobody probably told you, and there's going to be lots of suffering. There's going to be lots of pain, right? Nobody told you that, but we could have. Because that's true. The Christian journey isn't all beer and Skittles. It's a tough go sometimes. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. And Paul said, it's through much tribulation that we must enter into the kingdom of God. 
So hardships and heartaches are going to come into our lives. They're a part of the package. But our focus is his return. Our focus is the eternal, not the temporal. That's why James says, be patient until the Lord comes back. So how do we do that? That, Again, that all sounds easy, and we think, oh, yeah, the Lord's return. How do we do that? We can endure difficulties in this life because of the return of Christ. So in the midst of suffering, one thing we can find is we can find some comfort. We can find comfort when things are hard because we know. I was talking to somebody this morning. Someone this morning out in the foyer actually got a a phone call or a message uh, in that moment about a relative that had passed on. And as I prayed with that person and tried to offer some words of encouragement and comfort, it immediately went to the eternal state, the comfort, because that's the comfort. There's no comfort here right now about that circumstance. The comfort is what we know about the future because that person was a follower of Jesus. See, Christ's return means an end to suffering. If you're suffering today, guess what? When Christ returns, all suffering's gone, and we get to spend eternity with him in heaven. There's going to be peace and flourishing, so we need to look to and focus on the future, not the immediate. James says, be patient, and friends, You might get grumpy with me because I'm going to say something I've been saying the last couple weeks, banging on about. This is all about trusting God. It's all about trusting God, trusting God for the future, trusting God that Christ will return and he will set things straight and he will deliver us from our suffering. So if you're tired of me saying trust God, well, settle back and get ready because we're, we're going to talk about that all the time because, friends, that is the essence of what James has been telling us the whole time is you need to trust God. You need to trust God through those difficult circumstances. Then he gives an illustration. He says, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Okay, James has got a theme here. Be patient, be patient, be patient. He tells us about farmers. Any farmers in the house Raise your hand if you're a farmer. I know we have some farmers that come here and sometimes they can't be here because farming is hard work and, and, and it, the timing of a lot of that stuff. Uh, they watch online. Farmers, if you're online. Farmers get the soil ready. They plant. They, they cultivate. They try to make sure that all the conditions are as good as they can. But you know what? There are things outside the farmer's control. They can do everything perfectly But if God doesn't send the rain, guess what? No crops. And if God does not set all the right circumstances together, they don't get the harvest, which is their livelihood. They have to trust God. In fact, even farmers who don't believe in God actually depend on God. Did you know that? If you're a farmer today and you don't believe in God, guess what? You still depend on him. And he loves you anyway, and he's gracious to you anyway. But there are things outside of their control. They do everything they can, but they have to wait and let God do his thing. James is saying, same way, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your trials, be patient like that. Because there are things outside of your control. When you suffer because you're a Christian, when you go through challenges with people, when you can't change your circumstances... Remember, those things are outside of your control often. We can't influence things sometimes. 
Our suffering may be real and it may be painful. We have to be patient and wait. Because who knows you can't change other people if people are the, the problem, right? Right? Yep, yep. Daniel, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But she's all right. She's all right. We can't change other people. And sadly, often we can't change our circumstances. We can't change society. You can't stop disease and death. We have limited capacity to influence some of these things. But in the end, we may never see things come good in this life, but we can find comfort in the fact that there's a life beyond this and that Christ is coming back. Paul said this to the believers in Galatia, chapter 6, verse 9, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. He says, don't give up. Keep doing what's right. Even when you're tired of doing what's right, even when you're suffering, even when you're starting to doubt whether this is all real or not, keep going, keep going, and you will reap the harvest. James readers were growing weary and impatient, waiting even for Christ's return. For you and I, we grow impatient. I don't know about you. I grow impatient. But sometimes even waiting for Christ's return. Anybody ever say, oh, just can't wait for Jesus to come back? Yeah, most of you have probably said that at some point. Because we long for that. But what we're really saying is, this life sucks. I want to be out of this life. Because, yes, I want to be with Jesus because that's better. You know, as Christians, we're often ready to fight to end the suffering. We want to take stands for truth and flip society on its head. We want to change things up so that there will be more right. Our moral compass reacts to the depravity of the world around us, and we want to fight for change. And as much as we have the capacity to and ability to, we should try to influence things in society, with our, our voice and everything. Sometimes we feel attacked as Christians. We're called intolerant. And then uh, the, way, the way I see things played out, most of the time it's like uh, we're, we're the ones that are not tolerated, much less us being intolerant. But when society doesn't want to tolerate us, when we don't like things the way the world's playing out, how do we respond to that? Do we fight? Say, I'm going to fight for truth, justice in the American way. No, that's Superman. So, do we fight? Interestingly, the early church didn't. The early church didn't understand that mentality. Because Jesus told the disciples, you're going to be dragged in front of kings. You're going to be dragged into court. You're going to be imprisoned. You're going to be actually killed for your faith. And in the early church... They understood that was part of the journey. So they, they didn't try to fight. They, they stood for truth and they did what was right within themselves. But they didn't take on every issue in society and try to flip that on its head because they took it patiently. Even Jesus, when Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, he was mocked, and then he was killed all unjustly. And at any moment in that process, he could have said, Enough. What did he do? He took it. He accepted it. Because he had eternity in mind. He had your eternity in mind. And yours and yours and yours and mine and yours. That's why he put up with it. 
think about our testimony. I think sometimes the church over history has damaged our own testimony because of the militant way that we take things on sometimes. Doesn't mean we just accept everything that's happening around us. We, we can try to change things. But friends, we don't fight. We don't be aggressive. We don't be hostile. You know, some struggle looking forward to Christ's return, not just because the world's so bad. Some struggle because actually they like living in this world too much. And we don't want to think about that. We just want our circumstances here to be better and perfect. Uh, but, but, but yeah, I got lots of life to live before Jesus comes back. And we have that mentality. Others struggle to look forward to his return because they're tired, they're weary, they're worn out. That's the people James is writing to here. And some people even get to the point of wondering, okay, for hundreds of years, a couple thousand years, people have been waiting for Christ's return. Is this all real? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but anybody ever thought that? I bet you have. Most of us have. Having doubts is not a, a, a sign of lack of faith. Having doubts actually is a sign of faith because you actually do believe or you wouldn't doubt. A, atheists don't doubt. <laughs> They're confident. So obviously the idea here that James is getting across here is that we can be patient and find comfort in the confident expectation of Christ's return. Then he says this, take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. The word take courage there means to strengthen the heart. And it's a word that denotes uh, resilience and resoluteness. It's the same word that was used in Luke chapter 9 uh, to describe Jesus' resolute determination to go to Jerusalem, even though he knew when he got there he was going to be killed. That's the word we're talking about here where it says take courage. James says to those who are about to collapse under the weight and the pressure of the suffering and the persecution, he says take courage, be resolute, be resilient because of the hope you have in our Savior's return. Then he says this, because when we're grumpy and suffering, one of our, our, our tendencies can be to, to get grumpy with people. So he says this in verse 9. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Now, we've talked about this already a little bit because James goes through this book talking about how to treat people but when we're suffering, one of our defaults is to snap at people and to be grumpy with them and to blame other people for our circumstances. And, you know, that, that actually spills over into the church because James is talking to people in the church. And when you have infighting in the church, when you have people who can't get along in the church and then they start pointing fingers at each other and, and, and trying to call each other out and things, sometimes sin needs to be called out, but people don't need to be fighting with each other. We think about the farmers. Farmers don't have time for that. You know, the, when James is using that as the illustration, farmers actually come to each other's assistance and help because they don't have time or energy for disputes and for, for being grumpy with one another. You know, when we get impatient with God, we then become impatient with people, and we've got to avoid that because as we're being impatient with people, we're using the sickle here amongst ourselves instead of waiting for God to judge in the end. He goes on, gives some more examples. For examples of patience and sufferings, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. To be patient not only 
Do we need to find some comfort and take courage? But we need to be confident based on what we know of history, based on what we know of the prophets and, as we're going to see, Job. The abuse of the prophets is well documented, documented in the Old Testament. Moses uh, had to put up with the, the whinging Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. Elijah faced hostility from the wicked king Ahab and then his wife Jezebel, which was interesting. He handled Ahab okay, but Jezebel was another story then. And Jeremiah, he endured lots of suffering, so much suffering that through his ministry, he was identified as the weeping prophet because he was so sorrowful. Daniel was ripped out of his homeland and then uh, thrown into a den of lions, suffering for his faith. Hosea had a heartbreaking marriage, again, because of his faith. John the Baptist was imprisoned, and then ultimately he was beheaded for his testimony. Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. I'm going to read you a few verses here. Because we're talking about the prophets. It says this, But others, besides the ones that are just listed, were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and others' backs were cut open with whips. Others were, were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary. And give up. We can have confidence. We can be confident because of those that have gone before us. And we can see their stories and be inspired by them. Think about the prophets. They were God's voice. They spoke in the name of the Lord. They were in the center of God's will. But yet they suffered. Yet they were persecuted. Obedience does not automatically produce ease and pleasure. But why then? Because their testimony inspires us today. Your testimony of how you endure suffering and hardships in life will inspire others and draw others to Jesus rather than repel them from because you take suffering patiently. When we read the stories of how they lived, it inspires us, challenges us not to give up. And then finally, James talks about Job. He says, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him in the end. If we want to know how to suffer, there's probably no greater example other than Jesus than, than Job. His circumstances, he lost his wealth, he lost his health, and he lost his children. 
He had problems with people. His wife was against him. She said, curse God and die. His friends called him a hypocrite and said, there must be sin in your life. You, you must be bringing this on yourself. And friends, for Job, even God seemed to be against him from where he was sitting because he was crying out to God and hearing nothing. Yet Job endured. Look what he said in Job chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, he, God, he's talking about God. Even if God kills me, Job says, yet I will hope in him. Wow. Even if God takes my life. He's taken everything else from me. He's allowed all this to happen. Even if he takes my life, my hope is in him. Job understood eternity. Seeing how God worked in Job's life should give us great encouragement. And James closes this out with this, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. If you need comfort, if you need courage, if you need confidence today, it's right there. That's who God is. He's full of tenderness and mercy. So what? What do we do with this? How do you respond to suffering? Well, our typical response, run away, resist it, remove it. Okay, that's an option. You can try that. Friends, for 56 years, I've actually tried this a few times in those 56 years. Some of you are older than me and you've tried it a few times. Some of you are way younger than me and you've already tried it a few times. Does it work? It doesn't work, does it? Here's a better alternative. Your response to suffering is be confident. Look at the past. Look how God has operated in the past with the, with the prophets. Look how he works in creation. He gave us the illustration of the farmer, I believe, to show us that he's in charge of creation and he cares about creation. If you've been doing the quiet time in June, the, the Seeking Jesus Together thing, you, you see that the creation, all of creation and people groan and cry out for Christ's return when he's going to redeem and restore all these things. Be confident because of God's past and his care there. And then be comforted. Be comforted because of God's promises. He has promised that Christ is going to return. Christ's return is imminent. He also promises to care for you. He promises to provide for you. He doesn't promise it's always going to feel good. It's always going to be easy. But he promises never to leave you, never to forsake you. Be comforted. And then be courageous. If you respond to suffering, be courageous because God has a plan and he's working out his plan. His purpose is for you, not against you. He's shaping you. He's molding you. He's making you who he wants you to be. So don't quit. Don't give up when life gets hard. When you feel like quitting, remember why you started and remember the end of the story. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for James' encouragement, his warnings to us about being patient and suffering. Lord, those words don't even feel right in the same sentence from our human standpoint and our thinking. But Lord, thank you for putting them together and trying to teach us how we need to respond, how we can live a life that does have troubles, that does have difficulties. Lord, I want to pray right now for people.
who are going through just really challenging situations where, where they maybe they've lost a loved one. Lord, I want to pray for all of those people, Lord, so many on the list this week even. Lord, I pray for comfort. I pray for confidence for them as they move forward. And I pray for courage for them as they face each day. Lord, for those that are suffering in different ways, Lord, whatever their circumstance, or Lord, they're suffering with people. Lord, I pray for them right now that you would provide the comfort, that you would give them the confidence, and you help them be courageous so that they can be patient waiting for you in Jesus' name. Amen.